The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Hi, everybody. I've heard from several of you this week about how you just discovered my podcast and how you're binge listening. And there is no greater thing I love to hear than that, that the work we do here is helping you and bringing hope to humanity. That's the whole point. I was just going through some of the files on my computer today, and I saw some old recordings of conversations that I had with Wayne Dyer when he came to my house for a reading, and we discussed deeper things. And I remember Wayne saying that the most often asked question of spiritual seekers is, what is my purpose? I'm holding in my hands a book by my guest today that says, discover who you really are, why you're here, and how to find and fulfill your life's sacred purpose. So Jeff Jansen, you have the chance to answer those questions that so many people are asking. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to sharing some of my research and just feeling honored, Suzanne. I've been following your work for such a long time and listening to this podcast myself, and it's you know, just a neat opportunity now to actually be a guest on it. That's just awesome. I love your book. Everybody, it's called 10 Life-Changing Lessons from Heaven. And we're going to really dive into the book. But first of all, I need you all to understand Jeff Jansen's last name is spelled J-A-N-S-S-E-N. That's Scandinavian style. What country is that from, Jeff? Yeah, it's actually a, a Dutch, um, Dutch heritage, so in that vicinity, but yeah. Our, our, uh, well, in the Navy, we would Dutch. say, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, before we dive into your story, I, we didn't have a chance before we came on the show to, to talk about how you and I met, but I can see it. We were at a conference. I remember having a conversation with all the the thousands of people I've met at conferences. I remember specifically talking to you. You were seeking big time. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I, I'm pretty sure it was in Chapel Hill. I know I've had an opportunity to, to listen to you at multiple conferences, but you know, your story, Suzanne, is one that really uh, connected with me because I'm very left brain myself. You've spent Obviously, a big part of your career in the military, I've spent a big part of my career in the sports world, and both of those worlds are pretty ego-based and, and human-focused, and uh, 
it was just your story was one that really resonated with me from going from a left brain person now to going to the spiritual world. So I just really appreciated uh, that you had kind of forged that path and, and admired how you had um, built your service. You're now serving spirit. Well, what impressed me about you, Jeff, was this: you were on this serious search for answers and you had this peace about you that you you have to this day i've run into at multiple conferences i believe that one was the academy of spiritual and consciousness studies and then i've met you at international association of near-death studies so we run in the same circles looking for that evidence and the stories of the greater reality and you have taken that to such a high level your research which is what we're going to talk about but let's go back in time to what caused you to start to look into these big questions that people ultimately ask when something happens to trigger the search? Yeah, I I was triggered for sure. About uh, eight years ago at the young age of 42, I was having what I thought was heartburn, but found out later was chest pain a few different times over the course of 10 different days or so. And finally just thought, okay, I better go get this checked out and uh, they put me on a treadmill and started running on that treadmill and just crutching chest pains and pain radiating down the left arm. And they quickly got me off, gave me a nitroglycerin tablet, had me lie down and told me that I was either going to have open heart surgery or some stents. And they found a 99% blockage in my widowmaker artery. So when you're about 1% away from potentially having a massive and likely fatal heart attack, that uh, forces you to kind of think about life's big questions of, you know, why are we here? And was I living my purpose? And if I had actually died, what would have happened to me? So it was all those questions that I think, you know, all of us at some point, whether it's our own mortality comes into play or the loved one, we lose a loved one or they've got a cancer diagnosis or whatever it may be. I was kind of forced into that, and it just sent me kind of on this quest to find out what would have happened. And I ended up you know, coming across near-death experiences and loved the profound truths that these people had found on their visits to the other side and just really got intrigued and probably obsessed to some degree where I ended up studying about 2,500 of them or more over the last eight years or so. Wow. So you're one of those fortunate people that didn't have to die. You didn't have to have the the death and come back experience. We call them near-death experiences, but the people that have them have actually died. They just came back. Uh, what was your family situation at the time, your responsibility, your work situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I still today, I have a lovely wife and two kids. My kids at the time, let's say eight years ago, now would have been about 10 and 12. And I can mm. remember them being called out of school by my wife because this was about 1 p.m. in the afternoon and giving them probably the biggest, longest hugs I ever had because, you know, this there was a good chance, or not a good chance, but certainly a chance yeah. that I may not come out of the surgery. So it was a very sobering moment for all of us. And I can remember, Suzanne, at the time kind of pleading with, with God or source or whatever you want to call him, hey, I'm, I'm not done yet. And I just really had a much greater appreciation for life than I had been for 42 years before that. The, the proverbial wake-up call. So yeah, what was sure. your belief or understanding of any experience after death at that time? 
Yeah, you know, I had been raised in a very um, traditional Christian background. I was Catholic and did the old, you know, math server kind of stuff and did the readings and was confirmed and all those things and actually even went to a uh, Jesuit college, Marquette, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But there I had a class that kind of looked more at the Bible somewhat as somewhat of a newspaper of the times rather than, you know, fully divine-inspired text. And at that point, I was kind of, you know, opening up to some different ways of looking at the world because the the community I grew up in was probably 99% Catholic, and that's all we knew. So I kind of drifted a little bit away from the church and and just kind of, you know, arrived. I don't know if I really got agnostic, but I just kind of felt like, okay, well, if there's a God up there, He's probably just, you know, set the world in motion, just observing. And when we die, maybe we'll go somewhere and be with him. But it was very unsophisticated as as I look at it right now. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how long it took after this wake up call in your surgery, which I imagine went pretty well, uh, that you decided to embark on a serious search for answers. Yeah, it was basically immediate. Um, once once something that big happened to me, it was like, okay, I, I really need to know. And I have one of those brains, the way it's wired is I just want to get all of the info and I want to look at all the sources and, and find out as much as I could. So, you know, as I said, over eight years between reading different uh, books of various indie years going to conferences. If I could, if I could stop out. for a second, for those who are new to the program, when, when Jeff talks about NDEers, that's the term for near-death experiencers. So you're reading the reports of those people. Indeed. And then just, you know, started seeing stuff online, started seeing the um, site that Jeff and Jody Long have put together, their um, near-death experience research foundation and the amazing 4,500-plus sites they have there. And then I found out about the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Unfortunately, they had actually had their national, international conference in Durham, which is not far from me. Um, Evan Alexander, who many of your listeners probably are familiar with, actually had his first presentation on his profound NDE at that one. And I found out we had a local group here and then just started going to some of the national ones and certainly came in contact with the great stuff you're offering and started befriending some uh, near-death experiencers and just really became an intriguing kind of thing for me to find out, okay, these people have definitely had a pretty powerful experience and the principles and life lessons they're coming back with just bring so much peace and hope and understanding and and it's the way I wanted to live life, even though I probably for the first 42 years before that wasn't living that way. I was more stressed out and elitist and probably not as accepting or forgiving as I, as I hopefully am now. Wow. You know, you made a good point pop out in my mind, Jeff, that you went to this IANS conference, International Association of Near-Death Studies, and you hadn't had a near-death experience. And I want to encourage all of you who are listening to check out IANS. I can give them a big plug right now. I've been a keynote speaker at several of their conferences. And this year, again, uh, they've invited me to be a keynote speaker. So this year it is in Salt Lake City, and it is September 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, I believe. You can find those details on my website. But, uh, Jeff, you you went there, and did you feel like an outsider, or how did it feel among the people who had had that experience? 
Yeah, I mean, I was, and and for me, this was a big shift, as it is for a lot of people who go through a spiritually transformative experience or near-death experience, because I had seen myself as a, you know, as a business owner and certain certain way of just kind of operating in the world, and this was a big shift for me. And I think, like a lot of people who have these experiences, this has been an eight-year process, and it's still going on for me in terms of just coming to grips with my big shift in life, much like you made a big shift in life as well, as well as that there's Mm -hmm. more going on than what most of us are probably seeing, feeling, and and experiencing right in front of us. Yeah. So at what point did you did you decide or to to write this book, the ten life changing lessons from heaven, or was it just clear to you that this was part of your purpose? Yeah, so I had studied these for about six years or so. And after you look at so many, certain themes and certain patterns seem to come about. And the way I kind of approached it is, number one, I want to be able to understand this. I want to learn the main messages of what these people are coming back with. And how can I apply this to my own life? Because, you know, quite frankly, I I needed to be a better person. So I used the first six years to kind of put together a framework that made sense for me. And then nice. I started saying, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to start putting this down. And I started sharing it with just two friends from college. I, I was reluctant to kind of say, this is what I'm looking at. But fortunately, they were extremely accepting. And I had had a draft of the book at that time. And what we did is we would read a chapter a week and get together for an hour or so and start talking about it. And it was a really deep discussions about things that you know, normally we had never talked about before. And as things were going on, I could not only feel a change in myself, I felt a change in these people. And one of them actually left a six-figure job because she realized this is not my purpose in life. I'm not using the gifts that I had. And I'm just kind of going through the motions. And she had actually had the courage to live fearlessly and make that big jump. So her jumping was helping me then too. Okay, I need to broaden this up beyond just these two people. And yes, people might think I'm a little bit crazy or on the fringe, but these things are really helping people. They're helping me. They're helping my friends. And those two people said, we love this so much. We want to start a group. So then we started two more groups. And then we started a group because I met Brian Smith. We started a group with Helping Parents Heal and had about 10 parents there and they talked about how comforting and helpful it was for them and then i ended up um, doing it with a group from los angeles called the new way of life that helps incarcerated or formerly incarcerated women get back into society and they were really finding hope with it as well so it just got to the point of i can't be selfish and keep this under wraps anymore and worry about Mm -hmm. what people think of me People are really benefiting from this, and it's my duty and it's my hopefully purpose in life to share these with a broader audience. What a fantastic idea to take one of the 10 life-changing lessons per week, a 10-week program, as a group to discuss them. What, do you have a name for these groups? Yeah, we, we ended up calling them soul peeps, like soul people. So it was just something that we started. And what's been amazing is we stayed in contact with a lot of these people. A group of us actually went to Spain 
this past April and did the Camino de Santiago as a group. And you may be familiar with that kind of pilgrimage. So it's taken on a life of its own. And it's just been something that that has been a neat offering. And and obviously during these trying times, you know, it's something that that I want, I feel like is going to be a real help for some people. So with Elizabeth Boisson's blessing, we're going to do a group for um, another group for Helping Parents Heal. And as we had talked, Suzanne, I want to offer to your listeners as well, too, if any of them are interested in getting a group going with me, I'm happy to start a group for Tuesday nights. We would start at March 31st, so not this not this next Tuesday, but the one after that, and it would be completely free. I would send people a book, and we would go for 10 weeks just discussing. So if anybody wants to do that, it would be Jeff at lifelessonsfromheaven.com. Just email me, and I am looking forward to meeting some of your listeners, and if they're interested in going through the book, again, completely free of charge. We have a group of about 12 people and do one of those discussion groups. And, of course, you're invited as well, Suzanne, but I know your schedule's pretty busy. But that is just a beautiful, beautiful offer, and I have a feeling that you're going to get your inbox is going to be full to overflowing. Uh, we are going to definitely talk in the second half of the show here about what those life-changing lessons are. I'm looking at them. I have the book in my hand, and they're so perfect. It, it is just a manual for living a, a love-filled, peace-filled life here on Earth. So no wonder people responded positively to it. Wow. So – do, what do NDE experiencers have to say about why we're here on Earth? Yeah, I think the big thing is that it really comes down to love, how to be love, how to give love, and how to receive love. And, you know, the one of the biggest things that NDEers are actually blown away from is just the immense, intense, you know, ineffable love that they experience, no matter who they are, no matter, you know, if they've accomplished a lot, quote, in life or have not done much at all, they are just blown away by the love. And so many of them are just, you know, become emotional and come to tears when they just try to describe all of that. And obviously that love is unconditional. That seems to be the word that everybody uses is it's just no matter what I was loved, no matter what faults I had, no matter what quote sins or wrongs I had done, I was loved. So really what I think the, the purpose is that end of year say is we come here to learn about love and earth is one of those schools or a university where we constantly get opportunities <laughs> to be love or to give love or to receive love. And it's, it's what's interesting about it is a lot of the love that we have, unfortunately, isn't unconditional a lot of times. We love people because they're in their family, they're in our family, or we love people because they have the same political stance as us, or we love them because they're in our church, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we have a hard time giving that unconditional love, and I think that's one of the reasons we're here is can we treat people nicely and with unconditional love, even though we may not always agree with them? Beautifully said. And, you know, you reminded me of when I go to those IANS conferences, you can tell the men who have had an NDE by the fact that they just, some of them, not all, but some just tear up emotionally at things that 
most people wouldn't tear up at. They just have this wellspring of love that comes to the surface and they don't try to hide it. It's a beautiful thing to see how emotional they are. And I know you experienced that. Of the 2,500 NDE cases that you researched, were they mostly reading their stories or did you also conduct interviews? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really been a hodgepodge of them. You know, I'm looking at my bookshelves now that are filled with NDE uh, author books. Um, I know you know Ken Ringwell. I got a chance oh, to yeah. have lunch with him a while back, and I absolutely love his Lessons from the Light. So, you know, you have the researchers who've looked deeply at them. They may not have had an experience themselves. So I've poured through those. You know, I've, I've developed some friendships with people like Nancy Rhines, who I know you've had on recently, mm-hmm. the amazing Jeff Olson and, and other people. So I've learned a ton from them. And then, as I mentioned, with Jess and Jody Long and the beautiful site that they have cataloging 4,500 different NDEs, the enderf.org, I believe, or .com. I will probably have to check on that, but that's an amazing site. So it's been really all different methods of, of talking to people, of hearing their stories, of reading about them, because they've just been so intriguing to me about you know, what they teach about life and love and how to handle adversity, which obviously we're going through as an entire planet right now. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that in the second half. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just such a uh, beautiful way to, to look at life in a comforting way as well. But, you know, you, you made this point there about talking to Ken Ring, and I had the, the honor of having lunch with him as well. And he's one, to, like you, who researched thousands of cases of near-death experiences. And he states that you can't help but be changed yourself just by reading these stories. It's scientifically proven that just reading or hearing about other people's experiences does change you. So that's the beauty of your book, Jeff, that people don't have to die before they can learn these things. And being in the groups and the circles that the, with the soul peeps discussion groups you talked about yeah. can do that. But why don't you – can you quantify somehow the difference in you now? Now you change because you had that you know, possibility of dying with the heart attack. But how has this research changed you? What do you feel from the inside out? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and and I feel like I have changed. I certainly have a long way to go. I think there was one author that one time said, hey, when you have a near-death experience or spiritually transformative experience, when you reboot your computer, it's like not going from 1.0 to 2.0, but from 1.0 to 20.0. So mm-hmm. a big change, I think, for myself, since I didn't actually have the experience, I'm hoping I'm more at a, maybe a 3.0 or a 4.0 <laughs> in terms of rebooting myself. But it was kind of funny a few months ago, my wife was talking with my sister and my sister had something said something about, well, how have you changed since you've looked at all this? And my wife in a, in kind of a joking way said, he's so much more nice, but you know, oh, nice. <laughs> we, we can't. Yeah. And what I've done actually, Suzanne too, with, you know, being a left brain person here, what I do with the people with soul peeps groups is just ask them, Hey, when you're done with this, would you mind rating yourself on a one through 10 scale before you read the book? And we had these discussions. Where do you think you were on each of these 10? And you have this quiz in the book. I'm looking at it right now on page 227 and it's brilliant. You can take it beforehand and afterhand, right? Yeah. And we've seen significant differences. I mean, one of the biggest ones is the fear of death for a lot of these people. I mean, some of them were deathly afraid, thought they were going to hell 
and their fear of death was significantly decreased. And then they're just, as I said, they're much more conscious, accepting, loving people than they were 10 weeks before they started it. And to me, that's, that's why I'm doing this, is that I, I want this world, obviously, to, to be a better place. And I know the ripple effect that this can have on people and because I've seen it happen with me as well. And again, I've got a long way to go, but I like the trajectory I'm going in right now. That's really nice to be satisfied with your life and the way you are in it. And 10 weeks is nothing. It's a drop in the hat in a lifetime, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I guess when you when you compare it to eternity, it is a, it is a, <laughs> a, a quick blunt. Yeah. Why do you think it is that some people come back to continue human life while others who cross over don't? They stay and transition to spirit. Yeah, I think there's two things that really come out there. Number one is their purpose hasn't been fulfilled yet. You know, one of the neat things in doing this is that uh, near-death experiencers are absolutely adamant that every one of us has a purpose. And it may not be governor of the state or president of your company or principal at your school, but it may be being a parent to one of your kids. It may be helping somebody through a terminal illness. So, you know, one of those is that you have not completed your purpose yet. And the other one that tends to really come out from people is the pull of loved ones. So there might be either a child that's going to need that influence or a spouse. And there's a real neat story that I relate in the book from Ronell Wallace. She's got a book called The Burning Within. And during her near-death experience, she was looking down and she had actually had a plane crash and had just had burns all over her body. Her face almost even melted off. Mm. And she's meeting her deceased grandmother in heaven and she's saying, I do not want to go back. And grandma's telling her, Renell, you need to go back. And she said, I refuse. I do not want to go back. And all of a sudden, here comes this young boy crying. And she's like, who is that? And grandma kind of says, um, that's one of your sons who hasn't been born yet. And if you wow. don't go back, he's not going to be able to have his opportunity and learn here. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just telling you right too. now. Yeah, and, and she basically understood, okay, I need to go back. And seven years after this experience, she had a son and named him Nathaniel, which was the same young boy that she saw in her experience. So, you know, you talk about having a purpose and, and importance in your life, those two things, that and either having some specific task. And what I've kind of found out is that we all have a purpose for our time on Earth, something we're supposed to do to make the world a better place. But I also think we have a significant soul growth purpose too. why we're here. And I think it's and a combo Jeff, of both of those things. And yeah. we're going to have to talk about that after the break. So I hope that everybody's enjoying this as much as I am. We're talking to Jeff Jansen, and we'll be back in three minutes to just continue to find out what the 10 life-changing lessons are from heaven. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, 
a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. All right. We are having an awesome conversation with Jeff Jansen, the author of 10 Life-Changing Lessons from Heaven. And I was just talking with Jeff about how brilliant his book is, the way it's organized. It's full of beautiful quotes. It has the 10 lessons laid out so clearly. There are pictures, there are diagrams, there are charts, there are self-tests. And I just opened up randomly to this quote from Buddha. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And it just makes me think right now that the world seems to be in crisis with the coronavirus. If you're listening in the archives, hopefully everything will be settled by the time you hear that. But if not, this book can show you how to overcome suffering by realizing you're part of a greater reality. So use this time if you're socially isolating yourself to go on Amazon and get a copy of Jeff's book. I don't push books this much so often, but truly, this is the time to discover who you really are, why you're here, and your life's purpose. It's all laid out here from the research of 2,500 different people who have crossed the veil and no longer choose to suffer because of it. Jeff, what makes your book so different from just standard stories, uh, wonderful stories about the afterlife? Yeah, I think I'm just one of those really practical kind of people. And, you know, and reading and hearing and listening to all these stories, you know, the stories certainly are, are interesting and engaging, but a lot of times they don't really, you know, give you, okay, now how, if you haven't had this experience, how do you really apply this? And I think yeah. for so long, so many of us has been, have been mesmerized by these stories. But what I think hopefully my book has done is put it into a practical framework that says, okay, if I believe in NDEs and the powerful messages that they have, how can I, as a person who maybe hasn't had these, put these into practice in my daily life, whether it's in with my spouse, whether it's with my children, on the job situation, in a nonprofit I might be working with. So I'm just one of those really practical people and try to put it into actual, these are behaviors you can do, these are mindsets you can adopt, and just to show you how you can now hear these stories, but then also live these stories on a, on a daily basis. I hope that you listening, all of you hear this and say, I need that book, because we do. If you are at all feeling lost or purposeless, I'm just on chapter three right now, the third life-changing lesson, which is work purposely. Like Wayne Dyer said, the biggest question people ask is, what is my purpose? And Jeff just talked about how his book is really practical. There, He tells you right here how to discover your purpose, and it's Oh my gosh, right here. What could get what could 
you get lost in doing for hours? What would you eagerly do whether or not you're getting paid for it? What makes you come alive? Very practical stuff, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's just, as I said, I'm one of those people that wants to be able to apply and do things. And just the way my mind works is I try to find all that info and then say, okay, if I want to do this, what are some very practical things that I can do to apply these 10 lessons? Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here because then right away I can always hear a lot of my listeners. I can hear their thoughts. And some of them are saying, well, yeah, I am interested in this, but I can't make money, but I have to pay the bills. And right now is we're really having financial trouble with the coronavirus. So what is the practical answer to living your purpose and still paying the bills? Yeah, I think it is something that, you know, it, it, it's something that you find what you love to do. Now, it may be associated with your career. It may not be associated with your career. And, and one thing that I tried to do early on in my life is keep following what fascinates me, following what I really love. And over time, because I got so involved into it and saw where needs were and saw where I could serve and help people, I then was able to make a career out of it. So if it is something over time that your purpose is something that you can create into a career, then go ahead and do that. But for a lot of us, that may not happen overnight. And we may have to keep the day job for a good period of time because especially now, we do need to have the bills paid and there is a ton of uncertainty still out there. So it is a process and it doesn't happen overnight. But what I encourage people to do is, you know, don't just get stuck on. I don't like my job and my life is going nowhere. Continue to pay your bills, but start to spend a little bit of your discretionary extra time exploring some of your hobbies and trying some new things and moonlighting maybe in some other opportunities as well. Very good. And just to be clear, your career was not in metaphysics and spirituality in this book. What was your career? What is it still that? No, it was not. I mean, I spent uh, basically 25 years and still in the sports world where I'm teaching leadership to coaches and captains. So it's still something that, that I'm doing and hopefully serving people with. But yeah, this has been since my since my, quote, physical near-death experience of almost having a heart attack. There's definitely been a shift in terms of what I'm now hopefully serving in different ways in the spiritual realm as well. So look at that. Here you have your full-time job coaching in sports, like you said, and yet you on the side are leading these Soul Peeps discussion groups. you got the book out there, and it's clearly a passion, and that's one of the keys, isn't it? It is, yeah, and, and to follow what fascinates you, and, and I did that my whole career. You know, early on in my career, what fascinated me was the psychology of, of sports, and then it got into team building, and then it got into leadership and culture, and now it's into, you know, definitely near-death experiences and how to live in a way that you feel proud of when you get a chance to look at your life review. You're not cringing when you see everything. You're actually, hmm, all right, nice job there. So to people new to this program, what is a life review? Yeah, life review for me is probably the most fascinating aspect of the near-death experience. It's an opportunity when, when you pass away, you uh, leave your body. And one of the elements for many people of NDEs is 
reviewing, and reviewing is probably a bit of a tame word. It's more re-experiencing your entire life from birth until death. And not only do you re-experience it, but it's in high definition. Some NDE people talk about I could see the nose hairs in the doctor who delivered me. That was Daniel Greenway, I think, had that quote. And one other person said, I could see myself playing outside as a six-year-old in my backyard, and I could have told you the number of leaves on the trees that were out there. So it's that kind of definition and the main the you know it gets even more amazing it's not just you're seeing your life over again or experiencing it over again from your eyes but every single person you interacted with you get to experience your life through their eyes and how they felt when you said certain things or did certain things there's one example i put in the book from roland webb that i I think is one that really sticks out for people, but he talks about when he was young, there was a beehive and he told one of his young friends, Hey, go hit that beehive with a stick and let's see what happens. And being young and not so smart, they go and hit it and they all go running for this apartment door and Roland's able to get in. But the young boy that he told to hit with a stick is like the last one there. And Roland says, I shut the door. And he says, I felt Every single bee sting that that mm-hmm. poor boy got, I saw his mom come out of the house and felt her rage at what had happened. And I saw his dad and also felt the feelings that he was feeling. So, again, it's one of those things that you learn how you impact people by feeling exactly what you made them feel. And that's obviously a bit of a torturous one. There's certainly some good ones, too. Um, Marion Rome's got a great book, and she talks about that she one time helped an elderly lady up an escalator that wasn't functioning anymore. And she could feel this woman basically inside telling her, you don't know how much you have helped me. And she could feel that then in that life review. So it's not only these short-term ones, Dr. Mary Neal, who a lot of your people probably follow with her great book to heaven and back, talked about, I saw things 16, 20, 25 times removed from one act that I made. I saw those dominoes fall 16, 20, 25 times down the road and saw how that either positively or negatively impacted people in a faraway place. Well, it really gives you pause and makes you think, but, you know, as I'm hearing that, I know that all of you listening and even me, we think about, oh, the, the things that come out of our mouths sometimes and with our, our partners or many times I'll say, Ty, I just forget I just said that. <laughs> you know, we say stupid things. We say things that are hurtful that we don't mean to say. So is this a sort of punishment? No, it's really not. From my understanding, when you are going through your life review, you are getting tons of love from your guides, from source, and it's an opportunity to learn, to see, and not just see, but you talk about karma, you feel, you experience everything you did to someone else, you experience it as if you were then them. So every time you hurt someone, you feel that hurt, whether it was physically or emotionally. 
every time you help someone or complimented someone, you feel that sense of pride or you feel that sense of just accomplishment that they have. So you really get to see and feel how interconnected we really are as people. And that definitely, you know, impacts you. The, the end years and even myself, that's one of the things that I think about now is do I want to feel yeah, that in yeah, my life? Exactly. And, I mean, and we can, we can have that experience people. without so much clarity right now if we just sit and imagine, what if I died right now? And then so everything that presents itself to us, we could think it through. How, how would I want to feel this when I cross and come from that place? That's what your book helps us to do, Jeff. So with just um, – limited amount of time left. I would love if you'd share with all of us what these 10 life-changing lessons are. And tell me, you, you throughout the book, you have this beautiful diagram of the 10 lessons in a circle with nine of them around the outside, but one of them right in the center. Begin with why you put that in the center. Yeah, the number one one that, that all NDEers mention is love unconditionally. And honestly, you could probably, if you just focused on doing that one, it, it takes care of all the other nine because that hmm. one is at the heart of everything. And in my opinion, the other nine are somewhat subsets of loving unconditionally. And as we go through them, I'm sure your listeners will see the uh, the connection between them. But if we just loved unconditionally in every single thing we did, we wouldn't really need to do anything else. It, it's that powerful. It's that uh, it, it's what God and, and love seems to be all about is that loving unconditionally. Wow. And, you know, for the first time, just looking down at your diagram now, I see the infinity symbol within that heart at the center of your diagram where it says love unconditionally. And my my guide's message today, the Daily Way uh, message from Sanaya, had me choose an infinity sign. Why did you put that infinity sign there under love unconditionally with the 10 life lessons? Yeah, I think it would be. It was really two things. It, it was what we're, we're we're not supposed to do it just on Mondays or Tuesdays or at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. It's, it's we're designed to hopefully do that all the time. So that was one. And the other part of it is to start seeing ourselves not just as this limited, fallible human being with faults and problems and worries and concerns, but to understand that there is, as you talk about, a greater reality and that we are a spiritual being coming to have a, a human experience. And if we can keep that in mind, then it's easier to live these 10 lessons as well. Nice. All right. So take us through the rest of them. Yeah. So the second one that comes out is live fearlessly. And that one, I, I don't know if it could be any more important now, given all the fears and uncertainty. Wow. Yeah, from, no kidding. Fear or concern about social distancing and being smart and protecting ourselves. There is an actual physical threat. What my, what the fears though that get so many people are much more psychological fears that they end up creating and concocting and feeding these fears in their minds that this is a total catastrophe. And you know, I, I don't want to get too bad with it, but you know, that's where our minds can go. And that's one of the things for me, even releasing this book, I had to live fearlessly and see myself differently for my friend who had the courage to leave a six figure job. She had to jump and live fearlessly. So, so many of us get caught up and bound up by our fears that we end but, up 
looking back on life and saying I never did anything about what I wanted to do and accomplish. Why is this a lesson from heaven? I think because so many people get to the end of their lives and they look at, I didn't really live my life. I, I ended up, you know, short-circuiting my life. I ended up holding myself hostage, basically putting shackles on myself, and I never went for it. I never did the purpose that I was here for because mm. I let fear take over and not love and not um, that courage that, that all of us, all of us have some kind of fear that we need to break through during our lifetime. I can just see my friend Brenda right now. She's going, I'm free. I'm free. And it's fear that holds us back. So that is a beautiful one. Oh, gosh, I hope I hope you are all feeling fired up to get this book and live by these 10 life-changing lessons before we die. What's number three, Jeff? Number three, we touched on a little bit is that work purposely, that every single one of us is here for a specific reason, usually to do some good on planet Earth and to make somebody's life a little bit better, but also a purpose that is for our own spiritual growth. There are probably some some blocks or breakthroughs that we need to, to look at and tackle and work through so that we can grow as a soul as well. Beautiful. And number four? Number four is choose compassionately, and that is where I really talk about the life review, because during that life review, you get to review and re-experience all of the choices that you made, and most people will say after looking at that, boy, I wish I was a whole lot more compassionate and understanding and patient. That's one, one that I struggle. Being a business owner and type A person, I'm not always that patient and I'm concerned, and, but hopefully we'll learn from my life review, you know, you need to be more patient with people. So choosing compassionately, knowing that we're going to feel what we made others feel helps me a whole lot more. Okay, I'm not going to let my type A think over. I'm going to not honk the horn at the person who's not moving because the light is green right mm-hmm. now. So what is the difference between this one and choosing compassionately and number one, loving unconditionally? Yeah, I think, you know, as I said, all of these are somewhat subsets of that loving unconditionally, but I think this one really gets at that choice aspect that we have so many different choices about how we want to live our lives, how we want to treat people, and it's just, I, I'm going to do it now, hopefully in a way that I think about how would I want to feel in the situation. Perfect. Number five. Number five is accept non-judgmentally. And this is one that I found that, you know what, God does not have an exclusive members-only club up in heaven that only the good people can come in or only the Christians or only the Native Americans or only the heterosexuals or only you name your different way that we slice and dice people up here in terms of how we categorize people. What I found is that God has no favorites whatsoever. God loves everyone universally and unconditionally. And the Could I interrupt here? Un- yep. Yeah, you said what I found, but you found it by reviewing thousands of stories of people who've crossed the other side and found this to be true. For sure. Right? For sure. And it is. You hear that over and over again that there is no favorite group, and we are challenged as people 
to bring that same non-judgmental acceptance of each other, which really fits right along with unconditional love. You cannot judge someone and accept someone at the same time. Oh, wow. Ooh, I've never heard anybody say that. But that's, yeah, a lot of truth there. They're really incompatible, yeah. If, if God were judging us, then there would be some conditions on it. And, and the love that God has is unconditional from what the near-death experiencers tell us. Beautiful. And number six of the 10 life-changing lessons from heaven. Number six is learn continuously. And this one, I really focus in on life's hardships that, you know, all of us have to some degree. Some of us, you know, much worse than others. Obviously, we've talked about helping parents heal and that journey that people go through, you know, very, very tough one, but that there are lessons to learn. And I know that uh, helping parents heal has their silver linings. Uh, lessons that can be learned mm-hmm. from such a horrific ordeal. But no matter what we're having, whether it's death or divorce or death or the uncertainty of disease coming about, we, these are all opportunities to learn more about ourselves, to learn more about life, to learn more about other people and to get at who we really are at our core. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh... Beautiful. I was just reading a book about the brain and how it doesn't really break down if we're if we are constantly seeking to learn. The brain stays active. The cells really don't die. So follow your passion. All of these things are interrelated. It's amazing. Definitely. Okay, number seven. Number seven is serve selflessly, and and that one, you know, I think most people would would understand that this life isn't just all about us and that we were given certain gifts. We were all given certain talents, and if we're going to fulfill our life's purpose, it's a matter of developing those talents and serving each other, serving humanity, serving our environment. And it is, and, and the neat thing about it, and a lot of people who've read the book have told me, that, you know what, I didn't have to start this major nonprofit or I didn't have to do this really big thing. Sometimes it's just saying hello to a neighbor. Sometimes it's just giving some vegetables out of my garden to a friend next door. Sometimes it's simply just opening the door for someone, looking in the the eye and saying good morning. So it doesn't need to be this spectacular kind of thing. It's just something simple and a simple kindness, one of those random acts of kindness sometimes. And the beautiful thing about that, it goes along with the infinity symbol you have in the middle of your diagram here. And exactly what Sanaya said today, the message was about feedback loops. The more you serve people just with that random act of kindness, you get that love in return. You get the instant feedback that service and connection is what it's all about. So very cool. How about number eight? Number eight is appreciate regularly. And what so many near-death experiencers talk about is even though our life can seem like a hassle and crazy and frazzled and stressed like it is right now, they talk about human life as such a wonderful gift that they didn't really appreciate until later. And I can relate to that, Suzanne. As I said, when I got that diagnosis of a 99% blockage, I'm like, I'm not ready to go yet. I, mm-hmm. I've got some things I need to do. I've got a daughter to walk down the aisle. I, I've got a lot i got to do. And it was immediate appreciation for life. And hopefully mm-hmm. I've, I've kept that to some degree. It may have faded a little bit, unfortunately. But 
you know, I, for 42 years before that, I took so many things for granted. And we've got oh. to appreciate our lives and this planet for, for uh, you know, more, much more regularly than we do. And how many of you listening right now have, have had someone that you love close to you die suddenly and you realize if, if I'd only said thank you. First thing you need to understand is you can still say that because they still hear you. So don't feel bad about that. Say it now. Say it loud and clear. But for the rest of us who are still here in physical body with our loved ones, do that appreciation. It just it, you'll never regret it. Number nine, Jeff. Number nine is probably the toughest one, in my opinion, for me, is forgive fully. That certain wrongs or perceived wrongs are going to happen to us in life. It's it's part of coming down here and being human, and we need to forgive others fully. And probably one that I heard from a lot of my readers is the ability to forgive ourselves fully for mistakes that we've made. And sometimes the toughest person for, to forgive isn't someone else who hurt us. It's ourselves. So that is one that a lot of people, I think, battle with. And I think there's the old phrase that, you know, when you forgive, you set someone free. And it's, it's not the other person. It's really yourself. And this is a whole topic unto itself. So I'm glad you have a full chapter about it in your book. And I really encourage people to read that one. Somebody just emailed me today about how do I forgive. And part of it comes from what you learned, Jeff, is that when we learn that there's a greater reality, we forgive people who don't realize that. And with just a minute to go here, lesson number 10 from heaven. Yeah, lesson number 10 is to trust completely that as humans, we don't always understand what's happening. Certainly, this virus is a big part of that. We don't always know what the path is going to be, but near-death experiencers say there is a divine plan. There is a method to the madness. There is a reason for everything, and even though we may not understand it in these human bodies and brains, we need to trust completely that there is a greater plan and a greater reality. Well, these are incredible lessons. I don't know how you put them in order. Did you feel guided as you wrote it? I, you know, certainly love unconditionally was number one. So I, I knew that had to be there. And just as time kind of went on, they they seemed to fit in certain areas. And the, the easier concepts that I would say I put toward the front and the tougher ones I put toward the back. So what I found is as people go through these Soul Peaks discussion groups, they open up a little bit more to these ideas. So some of these tougher ones I can put uh-huh. toward the back because now their mind has expanded a bit. Well, I was just told open up to a random quote as we bring this show to a close, and it's, we're in this world to bring heaven down to earth. And Jeff Jansen, I think you've done a beautiful job of that with your book, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to be on and to share this with your listeners. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. 
Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.